I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars. The games. Starting defense. Place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on the Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hey, it's 9.02 here on your Sunday morning. It is time for Football Sunday. Foosball. Well, no, no. Foosball is the the game you play on the table, but the spinny handles. Isn't that foosball? It's not the one with the 11 guys in the helmets? No. No, that's that's rugby. They wear helmets in rugby? No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. (laughs) Did you believe me for a second? No, not at all. I was just joking. But, you know, I've never actually been to a rugby well, I've never been to one, match? but I've, I've is seen it. Is it a that. rugby game or rugby match? I'm going to go with match because that sounds more European. European, yeah. Rugby match. Yeah. No, we're watching football on the TV temporarily. Football and then with the U. When 10 o'clock hits, we'll switch to football with the two O's. Now, my, my parents went to a rugby group. match when they went to Australia, and they said it was like the most boring thing in the world. Boring? Yeah, really? my parents... My, my parents actually watch football every Sunday too. They like football, so it's interesting to think that maybe they thought it was really, really boring. Maybe it's tough because you don't fully understand the rules. Also, there's lots of scrums where they're just like kind of all, for lack of a less weird word, on top of each other, grabbing at the ball. Yeah, um, <laughs> said there was it was weird. Like the the pace was weird. Sometimes you would just see like a couple people running around and everybody else standing around, and you know, or yeah, that, I I mean I've seen enough rugby on TV to be like that because it just seems like they just kind of run into each other into a big ball. That's the scrum. They call yeah, it the scrum. It's and, weird. And then whoever gets the ball, then they try to score. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I understand rugby. You've I, just I, said more rugby terminology than I have may have ever heard. The, the funny thing is I'm pretty sure this was, this was the place. We went to St. Cloud, Minnesota. That is where Kelsey, my wife, her aunt and uncle live, and we were up there visiting them. And uh, he's also a jeweler, and that's where I got the engagement ring. And um, we went up there, and we just were waiting for them. So we went to, like, a bar. It was, like, noon or something like that. We were just like, oh, let's go get a drink and and maybe get some lunch. And it was a rugby bar in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hmm. And I don't know anything about rugby. I, I, I know nothing, Jon Snow. So I... Was just peppering the bar, bar, uh, the barkeep with questions, and because he was the owner of the bar, and he was just he was answering questions for me. He showed me all sorts of stuff, and it was it was interesting. But I, that's why I know what a scrum is. 
And that's why I understand how the sport works a little bit. I get it <laughs> in a little bit. No, I don't really. So I have students that play rugby for our team over at Reynolds High School. I'll be honest. I've I've haven't been to a game. I saw them practice a little bit, and I, I didn't really under understand everything. A, a buddy of mine actually plays for like a a club rugby team, you know, which I guess could be kind of cool, you know. So, but I, I still don't understand what the hell he's doing. Yeah, and then there's. What's interesting to me is that there are so many kickers and punters entering the NFL now from Australia, and they play Australian rules football. So what what in Australian rules football allows them to be such good kickers and punters? Because it, I feel like, and it's it's not it's in college too. It's not just the NFL where you see a bunch of these guys that are. It's like, oh, this guy's from Australia. This guy's from New Zealand. I think this it's guy's just the soccer thing. But know? they're all good. Yeah, and I think that's you know who which country doesn't really embrace soccer like that? It's us. And then, so you look around the country and around the world, and so many people were able to kick, yeah, because that's their, that's their sport. And so that's it's, I guess, and from what a lot of people tell me, man, kicking a soccer ball is not as hard as kicking a football. Well, because it's round. Yeah. So obviously, it's not clearly, oblong so, and bouncy in weird ways. Well, doesn't rugby style punting or these. Australian punters don't they have a, like a totally different style of punt as well where uh, like, like the you, American style is totally straightforward and they do more of a side they run a little bit and then yeah. they kick it although you're probably noticing a lot of the American born punters have learned yes. said style you see it all the time now where they do the weird run to the right or the left and they punt it it's I think it's just the way they try to get it in the coffin corner there in the in the back of the uh or right in front of the end zone but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting how that's happening, and uh, yeah, there's the start of a show about rugby, Australian rules football, and foosball. Tight. That's how it goes. Uh, this is Football Sunday. I'm Mike. That's Rashad. Jesse is across the glass from us. We're here till 11 a.m. today, and we will be doing plenty of football-related subjects for you on the show today. We're, of course, going to start like we always do with college yesterday. That includes Oregon and Oregon State, maybe a little bit of the other uh, games around the country as well if we have time. At 9.30, we have our Fantasy Scramble. It is the fastest 30 minutes of life. And if you have fantasy football start sick questions, we have our first official bye week this week. So we are starting to get some uh, some bench players need to get brought up and played. And there's some players in the waiver wire that maybe need to get added or need to be looked at as the season gets into the bye weeks here. So it's going to get tougher and tougher as we keep going. We'll do that at 9.30, so text to the Better You Today text line of 55305 all your start sick questions, and we'll get to as many as we can from 9.30 to 10. And then the 10 o'clock hour hits, and we go all NFL talk. I want to spend some time on the Rams because their performance on Thursday Night Football against the Vikings offensively was a sight to behold. And there's a couple of angles I want to take on that, including Sean McVay is doing what Chip Kelly was supposed to do in the NFL, but he's succeeding when Chip didn't. And I'm very curious as to why. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we do have our West Coast bias, which I'm going to probably just include in the Rams talk because they are Los Angeles. And then Hate It or Love It coming up at 1030. So all that stuff coming up on the show. Text the Better You Today text line 55305. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch 27. Rashad's at TaylorMade503. Jesse's at Jesse Osman. A-S-Z-M-A-N. Stations at 1080 The Fan. And you can find the Les Schwab Tires podcast after the show if you miss anything. But let's dive right in. Oregon. Getting a bounce back win after the tough loss of Stanford last week, beating Cal late last night, 42 to 24. And the biggest thing with this game for me was will Oregon be able to show resilience after they lost to Stanford? 
because we the only thing we've seen really in big games from Mario Cristobal led team is a bad 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 bowl loss last year. That's all we had seen. So again, when you're facing adversity, the non-conference schedule was really easy. You play your first tough conference game against Stanford. You're up huge. And then you have a basically a 21 point swing in five minutes. You wind up losing the game in overtime. It's really soul crushing loss. How do you bounce back on the road against a good Cal team who started off the year really well, who you haven't won against in their home stadium for like six years? How do you bounce back in that game? And they bounce back by winning by, what was it, 18 points. So good win. I was, I was happy with the way they bounced back. It was a great win. And this is really, that's what you want to do after, like you said, after a big loss, you know, because last week was indeed a, one of those losses that really haunts you. You know, let's go ahead and say Oregon runs the board for the rest of the season, which I think a lot of people think is incredibly plausible for the Ducks. But that loss to Stanford is going to haunt you because you had that. It was right there in the palm of your hands. And I think a lot of time for young guys, that can get stuck in their heads. And it was great to be able to see that, they were able to kind of shake that, uh, at least in the second quarter. First quarter was a little bleak. You know, you didn't know what you were you were seeing. Duckskin store till about what a little less than five minutes, four minutes yep. into the into the um, the first quarter. But then second quarter, they picked it up, and you saw okay, touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Okay, here this is the team that we were familiar with and that we thought we would end up seeing. And then from there, it was just the Ducks, man, holding on to the ball and trying not to make mistakes. And that's that really starts with Justin Herbert. And it starts with a lot of the other, you know, uh, skill players on the team, making sure they didn't make a lot of mistakes. So good win for the Ducks. That's kind of what you want to do. I don't know if you really want to give up 24 points to Cal, but Cal's actually uh, turned into a really, really good ball club over the past, like, year and a half, two years. So, uh, yeah, man, it was, a, it was a good win. It's what you want to see. With Tony Brooks, James, not healthy. And with C.J. Verdell having the fumbleitis issues last week, that that uh, well, I wouldn't really say issues, but he fumbled the ball in the key situation last week when the Ducks would have won the game if he hadn't tried to reach out for the first down. They still trusted him to get the ball, but he only had nine carries. And Travis Dye was the guy who got the most carries for the Ducks, and he played really well. 115 yards, one touchdown. Verdell did have a long 74-yard run, didn't get it in for the touchdown on that run, but had a long run himself. So that was a bit of a concern was the running game hadn't been consistent and you hadn't found a contributor yet. So it's good to see that. And the other thing was the ducks have a receiver. They've got a number one and it's now been proven out over multiple games. It started off early this season. Lots of drops. You were worried about whether or not anybody was going to be able to step up. Uh, it's Dylan Mitchell and yeah. he got 105 yards receiving on seven catches. The next highest catch total was CJ Verdell with three. And then every other receiver had one catch. That was it. It was the Dylan Mitchell show. And if he is uncoverable, then keep throwing him the ball. And if you're putting him in good spots in your offensive system to get open, then keep throwing him the ball. It doesn't matter. And it's good that they got both the running game, it seems at least, more squared away because Tony Brooks James was not playing super well. And then now he's hurt. And now it's good that you got one receiver as well. No, man. So far, Dylan Mitchell's, you know, really been doing his thing so far. 27 receptions this year and almost 500 yards. So, He's somebody that really has emerged, especially in the absence of a Dwayne Carrington and, and or uh, Darren Carrington and Dwayne Stanford, uh, Stafford. Like these guys being gone opens up a whole whole lot for somebody to be able to step in and do their thing. And the junior so far has played really well for Justin Herbert over the past four weeks. Coming up next, the one thing about this game that I didn't expect that was the main reason they won. Plus. Oregon State, falls to Arizona State, and then some other college football musings, including 
My Syracuse Orange is almost back-to-back upset of Clemson. And the keyword is almost, and I'm very sad about it. That's next here on Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 916 here on your Sunday morning, talking some college football before we dive into the fantasy scramble next segment. Remember to text all of your start sick questions to 55305, the better you today text line, and we will get to them in the next half hour before the games start at 10. And then we'll get into the NFL in the second hour. But wrapping up our college football discussion, the one thing that I saw from Oregon yesterday that surprised me pleasantly and was 100% the reason they were able to hold on and win the game was their defense. They forced five turnovers. They had two defensive touchdowns. And it it felt like every time Cal had some momentum, and there were a couple of times in the game when it felt like Cal had momentum, there was a a gigantic turnover. You know, at the very end of the game, obviously, Ugo Amadi had the 32-yard pick six, which, which wrapped it up when Cal had the ball, only down nine. There was a, there was three minutes left on the clock, so there, there was still time for them to come back in the game. You had the Lamar Winston fumble return for touchdown in the at the end of the first half, which was another kind of nail in the coffin. That was a good scoop and score too. It was one of those. It was kind of like the Alfieri one against them um, a couple weeks ago. But scoop and score for him made it twenty eight to ten from twenty one to ten late in the game when Cal was ob- obviously had the ball and was driving late in the game to at least make it a a one score game at that point or late in the half. I mean, and forcing five turnovers, five. Now Cal's quarterbacks are not very good. I think we learned that from watching the game yesterday. They are, they've got two of them and neither of them played particularly well. Uh, They're electric a little bit more with their feet than their, uh, than their, than their arm, but Oregon getting five turnovers in the game. And that being the reason that they were able to hold on and win, in my opinion, is huge because it's always been about, and we know Jim Levitt's a good defensive coordinator, but it's always been about how many points can Oregon score. And now you're starting to see the shift with Mario Cristobal at the helm and the, and the coordinators. It's not just that it's, can you beat the other team on the lines? Can your defense play well and force turnovers? And can you still score some points? Cause you've got one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country, it's way more well-balanced And because of that, that gives me more hope for them moving forward this year that no matter what type of game they face, they should be able to find a way to compete in it, at least, if not win them, because they can win in so many different ways. Well, I think the defense totally redeemed themselves after last week. You know, it really totally um, redeemed yourself. Stanford pushed them around, especially towards the end of that game where they had to drive up the field to score. And they just, you know, that that uh, the offensive line of Stanford just really move the Ducks defense wherever they wanted to. And they were able to just kind of bully him towards the end of that game. The Ducks needed to make sure they come up with some really big plays. And it really started with that big return by friend of the show, Lamar Winston. Yeah. You know, so he was on the show. So, uh, you know, and for me, you know, knowing that kid really proud of him, that was, I believe his first NFL or excuse me, first uh, college football touchdown, but that's what you need to do. You need to come up with big interceptions. Like they just couldn't figure out a way to really stop Stanford from, or really, um, I guess goat Stanford into making a lot of mistakes. And so it looks like they were able to kind of do that against Cal yesterday. And mind you, I keep saying, we got to keep saying this. This is not the same Cal team from five, six years ago. Like that team that you knew was just going to be an easy W on your Pac-10, Pac-12 schedule. Man, this Cal team is for real. And they've been able to bring it for the past, uh, for 
three of their last four weeks. So this was a great win for the Ducks, and they needed to step up on defense to show the rest of the country, or at least the rest of the conference, that, yeah, we can play defense and we can actually be really effective on defense. So Ducks win 42-26 to 26 over – or 24 over Cal and it increased their record to 4-1. and one. Cal falls to 3-1. and one. Cal will likely fall out of the top 25 with that loss, although maybe not. And Oregon should climb a little bit higher into the top 15. Elsewhere, Oregon State played close and then not close and lost to Arizona State 52-24. to The only thing I can really say is we know Oregon State's defense just isn't ready to compete yet. They don't have the talent on that side of the ball. But we continue to see positive performances from the offense, including with a quarterback position that is still blurry. Jake Luton injured off and on. Connor Blount played the entire game last game or last night, 14 of 23, 145 yards, one touchdown. But what you have in Jamar Jefferson is an absolute beast. Another 254 yard rushing game, two touchdowns on 31 carries. And I hate moral victories. Like moral victories, I think are kind of stupid, but when you're in a situation in your program's life, like Oregon State is in right now, anything is good. Anything like this can be good. So your offense is playing better. It's competing better. And you just got to know that defensively, you're not going to be able to do very much this year and hope that one of the teams you're playing has a really bad offense performance and you can, can keep up with them because you can actually play some offense. And that, that's about what I could say. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to put moral victory on this because you lost by a ton. But I like that the offense is continuing to play well. That is a good sign to me. I it's mean, not just them getting decimated. And, and I think that's really the only good sign. You know, I guess something improving is better. You know, we saw an Oregon State team that offensively and defensively were just inept. They couldn't figure it out either, either side of the ball. This year you're looking at a team that at least is they're able to move the ball you know Connor Blonde has been really I mean not really good but he's been I think he's been the the quarter he's the quarterback of the Oregon State Beavers you know we can Jake Luton was the transfer that came in Jake Luton is not as good as Connor Blunt has proven to be at this point Jamar you're right Jamar Jefferson is a load you know 31 carries and two touchdowns and 254 yards yeah that's that's enough to really get the job done and then you look at guys like Timmy Hernandez like you've got good pieces on the on the offense, uh, Trayvon Bradford didn't have a great game, you know, yesterday. But uh, defensively, if you can't stop anybody, it doesn't matter. Like Arizona State is a team that I think most of us kind of laughed at coming into the season. Nobody really knew what you were going to get from the Sun Devils, and now look at them—they're three and two and one and one conference play thus far. So uh, we knew it was going to be a battle. It's going to be a tough season for Oregon State until they continue to recruit some really good defensive players. This is just kind of what it's going to be. But at least, again, you have to look at this glass half full because you're looking at a team that didn't have anything in the glass well, last year. you don't have to look at it that way. Which, Probably should. That's the thing. It's Moral victories are good but bad at the same time. It's, oh, hey, we played well, but we're only saying that because we suck so bad that we have to find a positive. Trust me, Oregon State fans, I have been in your shoes. As a Syracuse fan, my team has been horrific up until the last couple of years. So I understand, and I, I did the same thing. I took moral victories out of games that were close late or games where our offense played decent or our defense played decent, whatever the case may be. But when I went there, I mean, Syracuse won one and two games a year. So I understand. I'm not I'm not saying this as some sort of patronizing person. I, I understand. I lived it myself. 
but you don't want to get stuck in taking moral victories because mm-hmm. you still want to expect more. And what I will say is it's year one, and you're right. Jonathan Smith didn't have a lot of time to recruit his guys, but they did get the transfer from Nebraska, Gebbia or Jebbia, however you say it, the, the four-star quarterback. So that's that's going to be good for next year. Hopefully he stays healthy. And it's just good to see that Jonathan Smith instantly brought an offense that actually can function. And that's all I'm going to say. That's the moral victory, I guess, if you want to name it that, is the offense is good enough to compete in games as long as your defense can play, which right now it can't. Yeah, and we, that's just that Jonathan Smith brought that, and that, that means so far he's been the right hire. And to be honest, 24 points in the SEC is enough to win you a game. You know, in the Pac-12, 24 points is like scoring seven points. So, I mean, it, it really is. When you're looking at, you know, Arizona State's putting up 54 and Oregon yesterday put up – 40, you know, what did they put, 46 or whatever the case is. You just look around the Pac-12, and that's what they do. They just put up big numbers. And so 24 points in most conferences is probably enough to win you the game, not in the Pac-12. Elsewhere in the Pac-12, you had Stanford get absolutely demolished by Notre Dame, 38-17. to Top 10 matchup. That was a game that, for the Pac-12, we needed that one. Yep. We really – that was really a a gut check for the entire Pac-12. It's not a – there's no secret, guys. Anybody that's our lower ladies, anybody out there listening, the rest of the country doesn't see. Or the confused. Or, hey, what, however you get it, man. Yep. The rest of the country doesn't see the Pac-12 as a threat. You know why? Because they're not. And there it is. And not winning that game uh, against Auburn if you're Washington or against Notre Dame if you're Stanford, it just continues to make the Pac-12 look weak, especially coming off a of bowl season where they just got boat raced by everybody. So when there's confusion at the end of the year about why or why Oregon with the one loss or why, you know, whomever with the one loss isn't making it to the college football playoff, that's why. Because at the end of the day, they're a great team in the Pac-12. But nationally, unfortunately, we just can't compete yet. Well, that's the thing. It's Stanford needed that game. You're right. They were the top 10 team in the country. They just came back against Oregon. There was a lot of hype behind them. And they just get demolished by Notre Dame. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even a close game the entire way through. And you're right, Washington losing to Auburn, although I didn't think it was particularly that bad because Auburn is a good team. In the grand scheme of the picture, when they look at the Pac-12 at the end of the year, they're going to say, well, Washington lost Auburn, and Stanford lost Notre Dame. And that's what they're going to say. Washington absolutely demolished BYU yesterday. BYU didn't show up, 35-7 final score. Wazoo Comes back to beat Utah 28-24, and in what might be the ugliest game I've ever seen, USC beat Arizona 24 to 20, and that's I'd never like to I'd like to never speak about that game again. It was really bad. Did you I didn't see watch. I heard I'd heard nothing but awesome things about it. Yeah, good, good. Don't 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 look at that game. I wa- I watched the second half of that game. It was really really bad. <laughs> no, I didn't see any any of the game, but I, as I'm looking through. My Facebook and Twitter, I'm seeing people just bash this game. So, yeah, Clay hey, Hilton, this, is, this is Pac-12 football, though. Clay Hilton yeah. is not long for USC, is he? No. I, I think I he think just this doesn't is it. scream USC. Like, I mean, a guy like Pete Carroll, who I think was the last coach to, that you looked at for USC and said, "Man, this guy gets it." You know, chewing gum up and down the sideline. You know, he's he's got he's hunched over with his hands on his knees. Like Pete Carroll, man, felt like Southern California. He wakes up in the morning and probably runs to the nearest coffee bean or something like that to, you know, he, he seemed like he fit in with that, um, with the vibe of Cali. It doesn't seem like Clay Helton. 
fits there. Well, let me tell you this. Pete Carroll might have a chance to go back if he wants to. I mean, oh, I mean, sanctions are up. Sanctions, yeah. sanctions are gone. It's all good. Seahawks not very good anymore. They're probably going to fire Clay Hill. You know? And, you know, in college, in college, you just get more you, you get more power. You know, you have – look at what what's happening in Ohio State. You know, you have, when, you, when you have power and you can be – uh, prove that you can be a winner, then you can get away with a, a lot more than than other people can. So, and then very quickly, I want to get to the fantasy scramble. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State was everything we thought it would be. Ohio State comes back to win late, twenty seven, twenty six. I'm shocked Penn State lost that game with how they started. They started off really well. They had the, I forget the receiver's name, but the set he had like an, an eighty yard touchdown catch where he just put the burners on, and he, he might be the fastest player in college football by how he just torched the fast Ohio state secondary when he caught the ball, it was just like, Whoa. So he's just gone then. And they were up a couple of scores. I'm like, wow, Penn state's going to win this game. You know, they're playing at home. It was a really raucous crowd at Beaver stadium. Nope. Uh, or Ohio state comes back and wins 27, 26. And then uh, Syracuse should have beaten number three Clemson again. Second year in a row. They could have done that. And uh, they lost. And they once again, injured the starting quarterback. This time, Trevor Lawrence, the freshman Kelly Bryant, nowhere to be found because he's transferring they brought in a true freshman who looked really bad early and then led a touchdown drive late. So mostly from the running back, but he was able to get a big fourth and sixth completion that uh, was the nail in Syracuse's coffin. Man, but, listen. And it, here's the thing, which is just I want to give a little bit to it, is Syracuse is now 4-1. and one. They might actually be ranked despite losing that game because of how well they played. And I'm PO'd that they lost the game. So, okay, so let me ask you this. Which is kind of exciting that I'm mad instead of just like, oh, good effort, guys. I like, know we have to break, but let me ask this. Like, if you're a Duke football fan or a, or, or a Duke, you know, alumni or fan or Syracuse fan or Kentucky, are you really mad that your football team isn't that good? Because you yeah. know when hoop season rolls around, you guys are going to be right there. Well, first of all, so, Duke's football team is good. But Duke, sec- this year, no, I mean, for good. the past couple of years, but I'm still like, well, last year. And this year, so no, David Cutcliffe is a great coach. He's been he's been good for them, but no, yes, you're mad because you want your team to do well. It's just okay. Yes, we're a basketball school. Great, I get it. But why can't we be a both school? Like Michigan's well, a both school. Ohio they, State is a both school. Is Ohio State a both school? Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't, I don't really. When I think of basketball, I don't really think of Ohio. State as a, a I think of more Oregon as a both school. Well, they've turned themselves into they've turned themselves into a both school, but historically they're not a both school. No. I want to be a both school. I think everybody no. wants to be a both school because they want from August to March to be able to say my team is good and is going to compete. That's what they want. So that's mm. what I want. I think we're getting a little. I think we're getting a little selfish. Well, <laughs> a little greedy. I can be a little greedy. Okay. <laughs> But hey, the fact that I'm mad that they lost that game, I think is a good sign because I thought they could win and go five and L and they almost did. And now they're four and one instead. All right. Coming up next fantasy scramble time. Text in your start sick questions now to the better you today. Text line at five, five, three, zero, five. Also text your thoughts on the college weekend as well. And uh, we'll get to as many as we can over the next half hour. But first, Jesse has sports center. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan.
That music means it is time for Fantasy Scramble. If you have start-sit questions in your fantasy football league, you got to uh, text in right now to the Better You Today text line at 55305. You can also tweet at us. I did get one on Twitter earlier, which I will include in this. At Mike Lynch 27 at TaylorMade503 is Rashad. Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. And the station is at 1080 The Fan. Uh, we are not going to have the services of Jesse right off the bat here as he is uh, dealing with some technical issues in the other room. But when he gets back, we will have his help as well. Oh, he's already back. That was fast. <laughs> Things are working. I actually know what I'm doing sometimes. So that All was an right. uh, easy solution for me to so get we, that going. So we will have Jesse with us from the start. So let's get going. A non-PPR league, Matt, in early again, by the way. He said, hey, my name is Matt. I'm in early. You were. You, you texted him before the show started. Non-PPR need to pick two of these four receivers. Amari Cooper, home versus Cleveland. Chris Hogan versus Miami. Deshaun Jackson at Chicago. Calvin Ridley, home versus Cincinnati. Well, non-PPR, I am going to go Calvin Ridley because last week, holy cow, was he incredible. And because Julio Jones gets double covered and because Julio Jones has gimpy injuries every now and then, Calvin Ridley, I think, is a good big play start because non-PPR, you still get maybe a touchdown from him. Remember, they don't use Julio Jones in the red zone as much as it makes all of his fantasy owners mad. Calvin Ridley looks like he might be the red zone guy. I'd pick him for sure out of those two or those four. And then between Jackson, Cooper, and Hogan, um, I might go Deshaun Jackson on this one. I don't trust Amari Cooper. I, I know he had one good week, but I don't find him startable and then i don't trust chris hogan either so i'm gonna say jackson and ridley microphone yeah um i'm probably gonna say ridley as well he had a really really good week um i don't know i i i, th I think uh josh gordon is playing today for the patriots so with that said, I and think isn't Amendola back or is this Amendola? I think I think Amendola's next week. Okay, that he's no, back. Not Amendola. No, Edelman. 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 Come on, week. guys. Come on. Yeah, it's no. Well, oh, t t tomatoes, potatoes. Yeah, I mean, it's, your, small, it's only whatever. your team. Whatever. Let's confuse all the small <laughs> yeah. white guys. Tomatoes, potatoes. You know how it goes. <laughs> I, I, no, uh, Amendola's in Miami. Come on. I uh, he's playing. I'm going. Uh, I think I'm going to go Chris Hogan because I think having um, Josh Gordon on one side and Gronkowski possibly on the other side is going to it's going to force defense to choose up and oh who who's the the lesser of the, all the evils it's probably Chris Hogan so I, I feel like he's going to find himself really wide open with Josh Gordon on the field for the Patriots so we have Hogan Ridley and who Deshaun Jackson and Amari Cooper pick mm. two of four non-PPR non-PPR uh geez uh, well I, I'm gonna go probably d then got a really high ceiling still I mean it's one of those things where as long as Fitzpatrick is starting, I feel like you can trust him. Yeah, and until that offense starts slowing down, you know, or he gets injured, yeah, he's he's totally he's a great flex play at the very least. Um, and then it's probably gonna I, I'm, I mean, I hate to buy into hype or whatever. I think Ridley is going to be similar to that Julio Jones. He's exploded and he'll come back down to earth this week. But at the same time, Julio Jones, when he comes back down to earth, is still. His floor is typically 60, 70 yards. Uh, cemented himself as probably the number two guy there. Probably gained a little bit of trust grabbing three TDs last week. I'll probably throw Ridley in there as well. I just, uh, Hogan's just, I don't know. He's not been what we all expected, especially when the first three weeks there was no Edelman there. And Cooper still super inconsistent. Yeah, I, I, exactly. It might be Cooper's week. It might be Cook's week. It might be, I don't know, like, 
It, it could Jordan be Jordan Nelson's week. Yeah, like we just don't know with this offense, and that's and that's been the Cooper's story for his career. Basically, and then uh, Tevin Coleman or James Connor non PPR. So Devontae Freeman's out again. I'm going to go Coleman in this one. Connor had the great week one, obviously. Week two was not very good, and then he was solid last week. But I like the I like the floor of Coleman better as being the only back. He catches passes well and uh, in an offense in Atlanta that can score plenty. I'm going to go with Coleman over James Conner. I'm going to go Tevin Coleman as well. He's played really, really well in the absence of uh, Devontae Freeman, uh, much to my chagrin because I have Devontae Freeman as my running back number two. And uh, he's not playing, but Tevin Coleman has been awesome so far. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take some Tevin Coleman there as well. Um, I There's just something about this Pittsburgh Steeler offense I don't like this year. I think the only thing I really like about it is Juju so far. Antonio and he, and he, has, been, he has been very good for sure. Yeah. Uh, this one says Gordon, Shepard, or Boyd need one. I assume that's Josh Gordon because if it's Melvin Gordon, I'm taking Melvin. But if it's Josh Gordon, I'm going to take Tyler Boyd. He has been a monster the last two weeks for the Bengals. And is AJ Green healthy? Is he playing? Because I remember he kind of limped off the field last week. Yeah, I think he's playing. But he's played better than AJ Green has the first last couple of weeks Boyd has. So I'm going to go with Boyd. <laughs> if you're talking Josh Gordon, he's on the field with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Man, give me Josh Gordon all day. We just Boyd. don't know if he's playing. Give me some if Boyd. He, again, if he's playing, if Josh Gordon is indeed stepping on the field today, there's no way I'm not picking Josh Gordon in most situations. Well, see, that's the problem is, is he's also coming off. He had a hamstring injury as soon as he came off of suspension. Then he came back, played in a game, got another hamstring injury. One of the reasons why he was traded to New England, missed last week partially because the hamstring injury, partially because he doesn't know the playbook. Uh, that uh, that offense is so complicated. It, uh, the hamstring injury – once, this is one of those classic show me before I, I play you type of situations. I said what I said. So um, <laughs> in that in that case, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Uh, Drew Brees or Patrick Mahomes? Look at you, Mr. Quarterback. Yeah, right. Uh, so I would I would almost automatically say Mahomes in this scenario, but I looked at who Brees is playing, and it's the Giants. And the over-under in that game I saw earlier was over 50. So now Denver, I don't think Denver is that good right now, as sad as it is, but their defense is still solid. And the Giants is not. So I'm going to go against my gut instinct, and I'm going to go Breeze because of the matchup. I think it's kind of hard to go wrong with both. I mean, they've both put up 40-point weeks already this year, but I'm going to go Breeze instead of Mahomes. But I don't fault you for picking Mahomes either. Oh, man, Mahomes is just – Breeze won the game last week with his legs, which was different. Um, but Patrick Mahomes is just – and he has a cannon, and he's got – some some track stars out there to make sure they can finish off big plays for him. And oh, there yeah, by the way, Travis Kelsey is still on the team. Like he kind of gets overlooked because there looks like there's so many weapons right now. So I'm gonna go Patrick Mahomes. Um, I I don't think either way you're gonna be upset. Um, I I there's a little bit of trepidation going against that Denver defense Monday night is a different feel um in Denver too in Denver um those are different types of games typically Kansas City doesn't play quite as well in Denver just like Denver doesn't play quite as well in Kansas City um on the flip side one of the things this is an interesting stat uh it stats prove Tyreek Hill is a better player on the road than he is at home and I believe Tyreek Hill actually tore up 
um, the Denver Broncos for his coming out party uh, two seasons ago. This is just kind of one of those things where you you say, I want to shy away from it, but Trumaine Brock also looking like he won't be playing for Denver in that secondary that secondary outside of Chris Harris kind of scare is not scary. So honestly, I'll probably stick with Patrick Mahomes until there's enough tape on there for the NFL to slow him down. And Andy Reid does what Andy Reid does and starts sucking and calling plays. So Ryan Tannehill or Andrew Luck? This one's a tough one. Tannehill's been better, but he's going up against New England, which I know might not seem scary on paper. But I'm just waiting for New England to have that statement game to be like, we don't suck yet. We're still here as a real team. Andrew Luck's playing a Texans defense, which uh, has not been good in the secondary thus far. But Andrew Luck also hasn't been quite as good, and he can't throw the ball downfield. If you saw in the Hail Mary uh, situation last week, they brought in Brissett because Luck can't throw the ball that far. It's a tough one, but I'm going to go with uh, Andrew Luck over Tannehill here. Even a hurt Andrew Luck is still better than Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I know the Dolphins have been playing well, but... I think the Dolphins are fool's gold right now, so I'm going to take Andrew Luck. You know, um, this is one of those situations where, I I, I don't know, uh, Ryan Tannehill is just kind of quietly putting together a great little, you know, season so far. Um, definitely coming off of his best game, but once again, I'm kind of on the same light mind of on the road against new england um now granted that new england defense doesn't necessarily scare me it's mostly being in gillette stadium that's what we just talked about that um the difference between being on the road and at home uh i'm i'll i'll still go with luck there is some intrigue in Tannehill, but i i still want to i i think luck's going to be more efficient safer play all right let's take a break coming back we'll get to the rest of them as fast as we can this is football sunday on the fan Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.49 here on The Fan. Continuing our fantasy scramble, we're going to try to go as fast as we can uh, the rest of this hour. we got 10 minutes until the, the lineup's locked, so let's uh, keep flying through. Trade question. Do I trade Le'Veon Bell for Tevin Coleman in a half-point PPR league? My other running backs are McCaffrey, Eckler, and Buck Allen. He has Coleman. So he'd be getting Le'Veon Bell. And he would pair him eventually with McCaffrey, Eckler, and Buck Allen. That's a tough one for me. Um, I think on the face, I say yes, do it. But the the reports are Steelers are now seriously looking at trading Bell, but they're also not getting any serious offers. So that right there is a risky trade. Now, Coleman, once uh, Freeman comes back, is going to be relegated to being number two, although that's not bad necessarily for him. And Bell, if he gets traded and plays right away, that's going to be a boon for you. But you're also risking Bell sitting out till week 10 with the Steelers and only getting him for four weeks or five weeks. So it depends on the situation you are in your league. Do you really desperately need a potential pop from a running back? Then, yeah, do it. If you're 3-0 and you don't need that help necessarily, then uh, maybe not. But it's a, it, it's a fair offer based on how Bell's situation is going. And um, it's not like you're giving up your number one Christian McCaffrey. Well, if you for sure want to get some points, then yes, go ahead and get Tevin Coleman. Again, he's been really good so far in the absence of Freeman in Atlanta. Uh, we don't know. I have Le'Veon Bell as well, and him not playing for me is is a big bummer. <laughs> so 
I don't know. I mean, if if you if you, again, if you really need the points, because again, Tevin Coleman has played really well. Uh, he's going to get you anywhere from eight to maybe you know twelve points. So if you really want that, then go for it. But when Le'Veon Bell comes back, I think we all understand he's going to be great wherever he is. Um, this to me is a question of where you think you are with your season. If you are like zero and three at this point and making the playoffs is an uphill battle, then I'm making the deal for Tevin Coleman. Here's the deal, though. If you are not, you're maybe you're sitting there at 2-1 and one or 1-2, one and two, but, you know, you're still, even though you're 1-2 and two record, you're like 5th or 6th in your league. I, I don't know if I do that, and, and this is why. It's because of Devonta Freeman, and when – Ultimately, Freeman's going to come back. Ultimate Freeman's going to take some touches away. Whether he stays healthy and whether he keeps taking those touches away, we don't know. But that is eventuality, the eventuality of this backfield. Now, at some point, Bell is coming back in some capacity, whether he gets traded or whether he comes back and plays in Week 10 for Pittsburgh. In which case, if you are on track for the playoffs, that gives you a big ace in the hole going into the playoffs. So this has everything to do with where you think you're going to be. All right. Uh, This is a really tough one. 16 man half point PPR league need a flex play. Robbie Anderson. He's the Jets. Antonio Callaway. He's the Browns. Will Disley tight end for the Seahawks. Vance McDonald tight end for the Steelers. I'm not buying into the McDonald numbers from last week. That was one crazy play in a stiff arm that led him to have such a big week. Will Disley had one catch last week. Uh, Robbie Anderson has no rapport with uh, Sam Darnold at all. And Antonio Callaway is, although probably no one's ever heard of him, he had four catches last week. He had six catches the week before. He has Baker Mayfield throwing the ball all over the field. I'm going Callaway in this flex one. I thought that was easy. I'm going Callaway as well. Uh, I, I like Callaway as well. He's he's a big-time playmaker. He's fast. Um, he got the electricity of Mayfield there. He's getting double-digit targets now. Um, I'll definitely go Callaway. Quarterback, Fitzmagic or Matt Stafford? He's nervous that maybe Winston plays some of that game. He won't. It'll be Fitzpatrick. Go Fitzpatrick. Uh, I'm liking what I see from Fitzpatrick. Have we ever seen a 36-year-old phenom? I like it. It's Fitzpatrick and who? Um, Stafford. Uh, I'm going to probably go Stafford on this one. I think he's kind of righted the ship. I like um all, all the weapons he has. I, I Honestly, despite how well Fitzpatrick's played, I think he's playing on a short leash. PPR at the flex, Will Fuller, Sammy Watkins, or James White. Uh, I'm going Will Fuller here, here, baby. Once he's Now he's healthy. He's getting touchdowns. He's getting deep catches. I know the Texans haven't started well. I, I don't know why the Texans haven't started well. I have a feeling they're going to start playing better again soon, Gosh, maybe even so. this week against the Colts. So, I'm going to go fuller, fuller on this one. I really hope they start playing well at some point. Um, I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go James White. Uh, Sony Michelle is really the the other um, option for the Patriots at this point. And with Rex Burkhead being hurt, um, we know uh, Brady loves to throw it to James White out of the backfield. So – or likes to throw it to any of the speedy receivers out of the backfield – or running backs. Uh, so I think I'll go James White. Uh, give me some Will Fuller. Jay Ajayi. Philip Lindsay or Matt Breida standard league. That one's really tough for me. So Jai is coming off an injury. He is playing, but he has a small fracture in his back. They've also got a pretty decent running back core there in, in Philly that they, they spread the ball around. Matt Breida, I believe is playing and Lindsay is 
back from his his uh, kicking out of the game, and he's not getting suspended for it. But since it's a standard league, I'm going to go Brita. I'm going to go Brita as well. This is this is a hard one for me, just because um, uh, of the situations. I really like either Brita or Lindsay in this situation. Lindsay's got a great matchup. Um, these guys are both technically sharing touches. The the one thing I like about Brita is uh, Bethard when he was. Th- this is a crazy stat, right off the top of my head. Guess guess how many targets uh, Carlos Hyde last had last year in the what six games that Bethard started in the passing game in the passing game oh I don't know he had 50 targets wow yeah no this guy dumps it off to his running back so in that case with that being said PPR league if this is a PPR league I'm starting Brita no problem hands down but it's a standard league standard league Still going to start Brita. He's just going to get so many options. I, I really do like Lindsay a lot. Uh, I think he's got a great matchup, but I'll still start Brita as well. Jay Ajayi, Alex Collins uh, to replace McCaffrey on a bye. Collins is getting a lot of touchdowns poached from Buck Allen, which is weird because Buck Allen sucks. But uh, I'm going to go Collins here over Ajayi. I don't trust Ajayi right now. I don't really trust. I I, like, I trust the Eagles, but I don't trust that they are going to give Ajayi the ball like a, like a workhorse back. Um, wait, Ajayi and who? You said Ajayi and who else? I'm sorry. Alex Collins. Collins. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I've never really been an Ajayi fan. He had only had the one really, really good year. Um, so uh, I'm gonna go Collins. Uh, I will go Collins as well. It, it, it's it hasn't been what it's supposed to be, but it'll it'll right the ship. All right, three minutes. Let's go fast. Uh, Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan at quarterback. Um, I'm gonna go Matt Ryan. I, I can't trust the Seahawks right now. I can't do it. Uh, I'm going to go Matt Ryan as well. Um, I love Russell Wilson as a fantasy player, but right now he just, he's getting no help from Seattle. Give me a little bit of Ryan. Uh, the next one is oh, – I lost it. Uh, one for flex, PPR, LaShawn McCoy, Kenny Stills, Calvin Ridley. McCoy is playing. I'm going to go Ridley on this one. Stills has been pretty good, but I'm going to go Ridley on this one. Um, I like Shady McCoy. Uh, I think uh, hopefully uh, Josh Allen – has a little bit of confidence moving forward and can get it shady, so I'm going Shady McCoy. Still like nothing to do with that Buffalo team. Uh, I'll go Ridley. Fitzgerald or Alshon half-point PPR? Alshon, don't trust uh, Don't trust Josh Rosen. Alshon's back and healthy and playing, and Carson Wentz is there. Yeah, Alshon, Carson Wentz being there is the difference maker, Alshon Jeffrey. I, I Honestly, um, I would love to say Fitzgerald in this situation, but Arizona's awful, so I'll go Alshon. Fitz or Luck, I'm going Fitz. Uh, yeah, I'm going Fitz. Uh, Fitz. Uh, Russell Wilson or Andy Dalton? Ugh. Dalton. I'm going to go Dalton, yeah. I don't I, I don't trust the Seahawks he's, offense, man. He's, he's still Andy Dalton. I have to go Russell Wilson. Dalton's thrown I know, eight but touchdowns still, I know, I get it. I get it, but it's still Andy Dalton. And four and, interceptions last week. And that's, that, that's why I got to go Russell Wilson. Bilal Powell, James White, Kenyon Drake need one non-PPR. Um, hmm. That's a tough one. Powell has been splitting carries pretty evenly with the Jets. Kenyon Drake has been not great. And uh, James White, non-PPR James White, is not that great either. So I guess I'm going to go with Bilal Powell. Uh, you know, I got Bilal Powell. I have to roll him out there as well for injury reasons. So, yeah, I like Bilal Powell. What sucks about this is what the Jets showed you last week is they want to use Crowell in the red zone and Powell in between the 20s. Reminds me of that D'Angelo Williams um, Jonathan Stewart situation that was in Carolina a couple years ago. At the same time, I think Powell is your best option this week. Uh, we've got we got to go. This is the last one. 
LaShawn McCoy, Royce Freeman, or Isaiah Crowell in a PPR league? Um, I, uh, uh, Royce Freeman. A great matchup. All right. I'll follow your suit. I don't know. Non-PPR. Go, yeah. Royce yeah go Royce Freeman. Rolls Royce, man. All right. That's it. We got to go. And uh, sorry, we missed one question or two questions, but we got to take the break now and the games are starting here. So apologies. Uh, we'll try to do better getting as many as we can in next week uh, when we get back to this uh, at 930. But coming up next, let's switch gears to talking some NFL. I, we just got to talk about the Rams, man. They're so They're good. really good. And uh, I don't know if they can be stopped offensively. So let's get to that next here on Football Sunday on The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 